Welcome to the Pat Down with Miss Pat. I'm comedian Miss Pat sitting here with my co-host Chris Spangle. You better get up, get out, and tune into this podcast. Miss Pat spit the truth, spit the real fact. Nothing but the ugly, classy at the same time. Pat got the flavor, these are not the same lines. It's the politics, she been on the real grind. It could be pretty but ugly at the same time. Just tune in, put your lock on the spin down. Ain't no need for the wait and turn her up now. What you talking about? Is it real though? And cut the game, you get no play like Nintendo. Waste of time, turn it up, nothing but the ugly Straight off the top, everything she say, you know it's funny Full blast, this is taste of the future Listen on your iPhone, on your desktop computer Share it, tweet it, ain't no way to beat it Nothing but the ugly, turn it up and gon' repeat it Nothing but the ugly, turn it up For you podcast people out there who don't know who the fuck I am, let me introduce myself. I'm comedian Miss Pat. I've been a comedian for over 17 years. I got into this podcast shit because I think I've done everybody podcast about in the business. At one point, they was calling me a podcast hoe, Chris. <laughs> you were out there just <laughs> podcast after podcast after podcast. Yes, I've done Joe Rogan, Mark Marin, Burt Kreischer, Ari Shafir, Tom Segura. I don't know how many times. Um, uh, name some more. You know I'm on. Uh, Joy Diaz. Yeah. Um, there's like a million the per, uh the crab feast but i have to tell you this most people don't even notice about me what this shit podcast thing started from mm. it started with a little known white dude by the name of eddie if really yes i can't even think of the name of eddie if podcast i think it's it's is it the ift cast it was it was called something else back then but it started with talking if i think i think no. i think there was like a double entendre on shit right I don't remember, but it started with Eddie F. Podcast. He's a comedian. I, he's a comedian. He's in L.A. And um, a friend of mine here in Indianapolis was like, Miss Pat, this guy wants you to be on a podcast. And um, he wants somebody who tell real life stories. And uh, I looked at him and I said, who the what the fuck is a podcast? He's like, oh, you just sitting around with mics talking to people. I said, talking to who? And then he pulled up Eddie's picture. I was like, what the fuck am I going to talk to this white boy about? He's like, oh, Miss Patty would love to hear your stories. And I was like, uh, I don't really want to do this shit. And he was like, well, go do it, Miss Patty. I think it'll really help you. And then it was, and then podcasts were like really blowing up at the time. Right. They was like, oh, my God, if you do this one, you could probably one day get on Joe Rogan and your life would change. I'm like, y'all, ain't no, ain't no fucking podcast, no Johnny Carson, okay? Oh, how wrong you are. Oh, how wrong I fucking was. <laughs> right. I did Eddie Ilf and I go over to his house and it's sitting there, all of these, you know, young white boys in their 20s and shit and they drinking and smoking weed and they fucking, it was the weirdest shit because I'm a mother. Yeah. And you know, I think one guy had his nut sacks out. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I want to think one of them had. They, I've been on so many. Somebody had their nut sex out. I think it was Eddie, Eddie Hills, and it, they were just wild the fuck out. And I'm sitting there talking, and and they talking about sex, and I'm like, I'm a grown ass woman. I'm not not about to tell you fucking kids about no sex. <laughs> right. And if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I think I asked about squirting. <laughs> right. Okay. 
you don't strike me as like an Amy Schumer who talks a lot about sex. So like squirting doesn't. I I, I didn't even know your... you could squirt. Really? Okay. okay? Um, yeah. I've been married a long time. It's just the same move, right. up and down, and we fall asleep. <laughs> right. So I'm like, what the fuck are you white boys talking about? And then you know you had to go. Then I had to. I kind of got in. You know, I just kind of went with the flow, and I, I remember leaving there feeling so fucking dirty. <laughs> <laughs> like I had just fucked five white boys and just threw them out the back door <laughs> this is some crazy shit and so uh i ended up getting he asked me to come back on and then somebody heard it and everybody's like oh my god they just started sharing me you gotta put her on and you gotta put her on and and people just started sharing me from one podcast to another one and i just, just really kept passing going. you around they was passing me around thank <laughs> god i got on a panty liner <laughs> and then i remember ended up meeting ari shafir that was interesting. Uh, I would imagine. Yeah, because he's Jewish, and only Jew I knew, only Jew I ever knew was Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up, um, I ended up meeting him because he was being rude on social media. Mm. Oh, ain't nobody black funny. And then they was like, "You must ain't never heard of this woman, Miss Pat." He was looking for somebody for his show. Make a long story short, I fly to New York to meet him and. We sat down and uh, we sitting in the park and we talking and I'm telling them my life stories and and um, we sit in this park while these Jews walking by and and he was like these cynical Jews and they had these little curly fries hanging down the side of their face <laughs> and I'm like what the where the fuck is your curly fry that's my husband okay holy shit did I forget the baby did you go get her. Okay, I was doing a podcast, but see, you had to do everything. I'm sorry, y'all. I have to do every fucking thing. You can record that. I, I'm going to leave in. Did I forget the baby? <laughs> I, I did. Yeah, I'm sorry, y'all. I forgot my fucking baby. I'm sitting here doing a damn podcast. I'm unfit. I don't forgot my child. I, I'm old. These people just keep giving me kids and I be forgetting I got kids because right. I didn't have the kids out of my own fucking vagina. Every time I come here, there's like another another kid that I haven't met yet. Oh, yeah. They're going to keep coming. I got seven of these motherfuckers and I'm like, Jesus Christ. And then she didn't call me to tell me if she, if, if, if she got a baby. Right. Answer the fucking phone. This is the shit I go. That's why I don't like coming home. Because when I come home, I got to say everybody. Got to get the grandkids. I got to get the damn. I forgot all about my damn child. <laughs> I, I, I was. I would say put it on mute, but you f would forget another child. So, Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm so sorry. I literally forgot my child at school. I damn near jumped up. And I, I, <laughs> I, I, I took a shower and I didn't put on a bra because I said I'm going to run up here and finish the podcast, get the kids and come in and get in the bed. Right. Shit me. I done left the goddamn child at school. And look at this bitch. I answered the phone. I guess she got her own kids, but let's finish. <laughs> All right. So, so you're uh, the Hasidics with the curly fries yeah. on their head. And you're with Ari Shafir in the park. Yeah, I was talking to Ari Shafir in the park. And I was like, at first I thought he was going to be an asshole. Because then I started to Google him after I met him. Yeah. And um, uh, my son knew who he was. And he do all these races racist videos where he pick up Mexican and then take them down take them down to the uh, place where they get deported at. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I'm not familiar with his work. I know who he is. It was fucking, it was horrible. And I was like, how dare this motherfucking Jew do this to these Mexicans? He pick them up on a truck like he's going to take them to work and drop them off at ISIS. Yeah. And they all take off running. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, 
my son was like, oh, my God, he's so fucking, he's so funny, mama. And and it just went on and on and on. And I ended up doing um, Burt Kreischer, which was fucking, you know, I, I, his wife is from Georgia. So we okay. could relate a lot. We both Georgia peaches. Peaches, because they call when you're from Georgia, you're peach. You're pe- right, yeah. And then I did Tom Segura. I don't remember the order. Then I ended up doing uh, Joe Rogan. That mm. was interesting. Was that like the one where uh, I would imagine when you do some shows, like I've seen people go on Rogan and immediately like the heat behind them. Like there's a guy that I've I've kind of followed named Tim Pool that was just on, and now all of a sudden like his subscribers go way off the charts. Like he made My- Jordan Peterson. Was he the one where it kind of like... You saw a big bump? Fuck yeah. yeah I right. did. I got a lot of fans from Joe Rogan. I can always tell his fans, they always extra muscles, <laughs> meathead, <laughs> right. strong, and they eat right, and they yeah. ready to choke a motherfucker yeah. out. DMT, right. Yeah. So um, I went on his podcast, and, and everybody was like, and I listened to like one of them, and I was like, what the fuck can I talk to this dude about? He's, I listened to the episode where he was talking to some dude about space. I'm like, I can't tell you shit about space uh, Joe Rogan I don't know how to fucking <laughs> Relate to this dude This fucking super educated Nerd dude I, I can't talk to this dude right. And I remember telling my husband Well I can't This motherfucker be talking about Space and health And all I know how to do Is shoot a nigga <laughs> <laughs> Well that's I think the thing about Rogan's podcast That Why so many people love it Is because he has such A, a broad range of people on and he doesn't assume that he knows anything. Yeah. He just lets the person come on and talk and just ask them questions. It's a great conversation. Man, he he got I got there and I just felt I fell in love with him. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, he was nothing like I thought he could. Cause see, I had just I when I started to when I got invited to his podcast, I I Googled him and I remember him from the show where he did uh Fear Factor. Fear Factor. Yeah. And then I started to Google him and I realized he ruined um um Mansell's career. By telling everybody he still jokes. Oh, okay. And, and I was like, this is a badass. And then I read this fake article that he choked out a tiger. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> I mean, was it fake? I think it was fake. <laughs> uh, a mountain lion. <laughs> and I was like, I, I can't relate to this dude. This motherfucker too badass for me. He's fucking healthy. I'm fat. I'm going to be sitting there breathing on his mic all fucked up. I hope he got a fan. I'm going through menopause. It's just so much crazy shit that was going through my mind to, kept, to try to keep me from going. And when I sat in that chair, he never made me feel less than the person that I thought he was going to make me feel. I mean, I, he, I, he was, he made me feel like I had I, I I I could relate to anything. He made me feel like I was on his level. Now, right. one time did I feel small talking to Joe Rogan. Yeah. And then um I got all of these fucking subscribers, all these fucking people following me. My fucking Twitter was going off the change and and then I um uh I was everybody was telling Mark Mary, you should get her, Mark Mary, you should get her. And Mark Mary will never answer him back. And mm. this is how I truly believe the universe of God or however you want. And, and this is like what year? Uh, this is about three years ago. So like 2015, 2016. Mm-hmm. And like this is like Marin. This is when everybody was talking about Marin at that point. I mean, Rogan hadn't even like Rogan's kind of at the top at this point. But like Marin, I remember when you went on Marin, it was like, holy shit, Miss Pat's getting famous. <laughs> I don't know about that shit. I still shop at Walmart and do my layaways at Burlington. <laughs> so I go on Mark Marin. I never heard of Mark Marin. Right. I, I, I'm honestly, some of these comics I had never heard of. Yeah. And um, 
And they was like, oh, my God, he's the best interview in the world, and he's this and he's that. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck what he is. I, I never heard of him. I, I didn't know he had been doing comedy that long. I didn't mm. know what to expect. I get there, and I walk in, and, and this dude got cats. <laughs> and you, I'm like, I don't fucking like cats. Really? But his cats were well behaved. They didn't rub all up on you, try to pull your wig off your head and shit <laughs> like that. He didn't have no ghetto cats. I was used to ghetto cats. Right. He'd fucking steal your pocketbooks. Right. And so he'd take your wig and piss in it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was used to ghetto cats. The motherfucker would fight your ass. <laughs> so um, we walked me to the back of the uh, little garage and we talk. And we just literally talk. And and I was like, oh, wow, this ain't what I expected. And each time I went to one of these podcasts and white boys who, who I didn't think would understand my life, I was I would always try to talk myself out of it. Mm. And when I got to Mark Marin and everything started to happen. Yeah. Honestly, Joe Rogan gave me a shit ton of followers, really put me out there. I think that was a stepping stone for me to get on Mark Marin. And when I got on Mark Marin, um, I was in the process of selling a book and we was writing up the stuff to sell it. We, we asked Mark Marin to hold it. He released it on a Monday. I sold my book that Tuesday night oh. to Harper Collins. Damn. That was my Mark Marin, really all of these podcasts, but Mark Marin was the cherry on top yeah. to me getting a lot of shit. Honestly, after I did Mark Marin, six studios called me in to develop a TV Jeez. show, six TV, six fucking networks that's amazing yes i had so many meetings after that i heard your mark Marin. i heard your mark Marin. i'm like what the fuck and i ended up um my very first deal i was in with new regency which didn't work out they heard me on mark Marin too mm -hmm. and then i but i had a this that week i had a meeting with new regency um I can't even think of all the studios, to be honest with you. But I, the one that's st staying out is New Regency. I don't even think they do TV anymore. Uh, maybe maybe and, the better question is like, what were they talking to you about? If you can say like movies, TV. It was it was about it was about a sitcom. I, I'm about to tell you. It was um, um, Imagine, which is Ron Howard Company. Okay. They call, and I remember going in and meeting this little dude named John Rattler, and I'm like, I'm somebody, Mama. Little Jewish kid. I didn't even know he's Jewish. I just know he's white. And um he was like, Oh, he was just he had that Hollywood vibe to him, which I didn't fucking appreciate at all. Right. And he put his foot on his table and it pissed me the fuck out. Because I'm a grown ass black woman. I don't give a fuck how raggedy your furniture is. You don't put your foot on the couch and the fucking table. And right. and I was like, Why you got your foot on the table? That was actually in his office. Right. Fuck your foot off the goddamn table. And, and I remember him saying, um, <laughs> he was like, so what brought you here today? Fuck you mean what brought me here today? You brought me here. <laughs> and that made me so mad with him. I was like, and I said, don't you fucking play with me, little white boy. I'm a grown ass woman. I've been to five fucking meetings. I got on this spank. I'm hot. I'm tired. <laughs> and I left out of there and I said, I hate this fucker. I hated him. Yeah. And we ended up picking New Regency. And then I got out of that deal. And it, this is how the fucking universe worked. I got out of that deal that day. Mm. It was nine months I was in that deal. That evening, that fucker called and said, I think we can let her meet Lee Daniels. Mm. And my, my manager was pretty much like, fuck off, because he didn't like him either. Uh. And so he was like, imagine callback. I said, I don't want to fuck with that kid. He put his fucking foot on his table. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's astounding. <laughs> fucking hurt my feeling. Don't put your fucking foot on no couch and no table with your fucking shoes on. My mama didn't play that shit. We had broke down furniture on fucking crates, but you did not put your feet on that shit. <laughs> so um, he called back and um, Brian Grazer, if y'all don't know who Brian Grazer mm-hmm. is, go Google him. Fucking Hollywood fucking did all the Eddie Murphy shit, Rush Hour. I think he did Rush Hour. I better, before I put that out, I better Google that. Did a whole bunch of shit with uh, Eddie Murphy. And uh, he's the man. He's Brian, he's Ron Howard's partner. Right, Magic. right. He, he, he ended up calling my man and said, well, we really would like to, you know, meet, let Miss Pat meet Lee Daniel. And um, I was like, what am I meeting Lee Daniel for? The dude with the pajamas on? Because he used to always walk around in pajamas. <laughs> I did not know. I didn't know that. He, what has Lee Daniels done? Like what? Uh, Butler. He done the Butler, Precious, Empire, Star, uh, fucking so many other movies on uh, that you've seen. Right. Uh, Monster Ball. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's so, what uh, Halle Berry got a fucking os- Oscar for. Yeah. So legit as fuck. Legit as fuck. Yeah. And so uh, my manager was like, I think you should listen to him. Go, you know, listen to him. So I, I live here in Indy, and I say, okay, I'll go up to New York. I mean, up to Chicago and meet him. And I went up there to meet him, and I just fucking fell in love with him. Mm. And I was like, oh, my God, he's fucking real. I think he can get it. Yeah. And, and you know, we sat down and talked, and I was like, this is it. Because I had also met with Gingy Cohan from Orange is New Black. I had met with a lot of people through that podcast that I, I released with Mark Marin. That's crazy. Yeah, she was one of them. Gingy Cohen is so fucking nice. Yeah. And so I went and met with Lee Daniel, and I ended up saying, you know, I think we can do this. And and we sat down, and here we is three years later. We just sold my show to Hulu. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah. That's well, awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. So if, if you don't know me, you go back and listen to some of those guys' podcasts, because I think I've... If if I had to sleep with everybody, I got about thirty five white babies out there. <laughs> Somewhere. Well, I think you'd be aware of the baby. <laughs> I mean, literally that I left behind. <laughs> yeah. If I have a baby now, that motherfucker gonna have to keep it. <laughs> I can't deal with no more goddamn children with the crack babies I got at this house and all these other babies I got at the house. Well, I think you know, in, in your first episode, you want to kind of introduce maybe what we're gonna talk about here on the episode and where you came from because, like I. You didn't quite have a normal life, quote unquote. Uh, no, you, I didn't have a normal life. Yeah, I'm, and I'm, so people are going to be kind of surprised when they hear future episodes, I think. Well, I'm from, you know, let me, let me, let me give you a little bit of background on me if you're not familiar with who Comedian Miss Pat is. I'm from the inner city of Atlanta. I used to traffic cocaine. Well, crack. I don't know if it's trafficking. I just put it in my pocketbook and took it to my trap and cut it up. <laughs> but according to the Clintons, and the bushes that was trafficking. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. But me, I wasn't in traffic with it. It was in my purse or right. either in my underwear. So, um, I used to sell drugs. Um, I had two kids by the time I was 15, got shot a couple of times, went to prison, and then here I am today. But a little bit more in depth background on me. I um, sold drugs, had a very interesting life. Yeah. Um, with those two kids in the midst of selling drugs, I, what? Got shot, dude shot my nip off. I'm so tired of telling that story. <laughs> uh, and my kid's father shot me in the back of the head because I was in a very abusive relationship. Right. And in that, and but I'm I'm no weak bitch, y'all. I want y'all to know that he did shoot me in the back of the head, but I shot that motherfucker back too. <laughs> he, he went to go get his tie changed, and I shot him in the leg with a 22, and it broke his whole leg. And I went to the hospital to pick him up. 
And when I got ready to pick him up, his baby mama was there. So uh-huh. he wouldn't get in the car with me. So I was like, dude, I shot you so I can take care of you. <laughs> so he wanted to be a badass and go with the other baby mama. So I ran him and her over. I didn't hit her. I ran him over and broke his cast. And they took him back in the hospital. And so I snuck in the emergency room and I whispered in the ear. I said, I'm the one who's going to write on your cast first, bitch. Not that bitch. <laughs> if she wants you, if she wants you at her house, she needs to shoot you in the other leg when this leg get well. I don't think I've heard this story before. <laughs> what the- <laughs> and so, I've read the book. <laughs> I don't think that made the book. So How? That tells you what a great book Rabbit is. When you when that story wasn't good enough to make the book. Jeez. Yeah. But we should we should maybe I have a book out. I do have a book out called Rabbit. Oh, I have a book out called Rabbit, and I'll tell you about that when I come back after this break. Okay, y'all, we back from this break, and we're talking about my book, Rabbit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm an author. It's a, it's a really great book, y'all. It's got five stars on Amazon. Um, it was nominated for NAACP Image Award. Um, I I wrote this. Hopper Collins put this book out. It's a really great book. It's one of the best books I've ever read, and I'm not just saying that because I'm your co-host. But I've known Don't lie to me. I've known you well, I wouldn't. I've known you for years and you know, I've heard you on Bob and Tom, and that's how we met through Bob and Tom. And I read the book and I went, I can't believe anybody lived through any of this. But it's <laughs> it's funny and just it, there's so many great stories in it. So I and really it, enjoyed it's it. It's all one hundred percent real, too. Yeah. I didn't make up shit. I didn't put no fluff in there. I didn't play I wanted to tell the real deal. And it's what's crazy when we first wrote this book. It was another version of this book. And HarperCollins was like, no, bitch. People would be crying, falling in the street reading this shit. <laughs> You're going to have to put it like you do it on stage with some laughter with it. Right. So we, we took us a whole another year and a half to rewrite the book to put some funny in it. Because I want, I mean, I, I, I tell crazy ass stories like I'm telling now, and what you'll hear throughout all of my episodes on my podcast. I tell these crazy ass stories, but in a funny way. Because one thing I want people to realize when you listen to me, I want you to be able to laugh at any fucking thing. Yeah. That's what life, when you can laugh at it, you got control of it. Yeah. When you can't laugh at it, you don't have control of it. And that is the realest shit you going to ever fucking hear. Yeah. You have to be able to laugh at it. That's That shows growth. You know, people are like, how can you laugh at being shot in the back of the head? It took me two years to get that bit funny. I don't mm-hmm. tell it anymore. I said my kid's father shot me in the back of the head. It wasn't his fault. It was my fault because I ducked slow. <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah but it, it took people like shot in the back of the head you a girl no bitch i was a crazy bitch yeah. back then i'm a girl now i'm a woman now i was a crazy bitch you can shoot me and i still run after your ass if i could but you know that's that's what you that's what you get in this book crazy funny stories even though you know that they're fucked up. You still laugh at it. And you sometimes, you catch yourself. I remember reading, the, doing the audio. But I was like, who the fuck life is this? I was like, holy shit, that's my life. <laughs> so, I mean, and that's one of the things you'll hear week after week when you tune into this podcast, too. Just real shit. Yeah, I think it's going to be a mix of kind of talking about the news and talking about life. Life, people. Yeah. Race, kids. I got fucking kids I'm sick of. Oh. <sighs> 
Yeah. Whatever happened to the ice cream man who take your kids around the block and bring them back? <laughs> okay. <Mr. laughs> All right. See, it's jokes. You're going to get jokes like that that make me uncomfortable. Uh, but she thinks it's funny. I think it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I, I told somebody once, I said, what happened to the man who used to come out of your school with his dick hanging out? Who made you run home faster? <laughs> I was like, Pat, they lock his ass up now. That's <laughs> <laughs> called Catholic school. Uh, you and I met through Bob and Tom. Yeah. If people, if you're introducing yourself, then they definitely don't know who the fuck I am. Um, but we met through Bob and Tom, the Bob and Tom show. I'm the, I work there. Bob and Tom is a syndicated show uh, here in Indianapolis right. that's uh, in a lot of fucking markets. Yeah. And, and so, I started doing that show probably, I've been here 12 years, probably 12 years ago. Yeah. I started, 11 years ago, I started doing this show, um, a syndicated show called the Bob and Tom show. I would say it's a it's a mostly um it's a mainstream. Yeah, it's it's like a generic broad middle American audience. Yeah. It's Midwestist. Right. Is that a word? Midwestist? <laughs> Midwestern, yeah. Western. Oh, I'm sorry. That's why I got Chris here to correct my English. <laughs> sorry. My daughter my daughter told me English English was my second language. <laughs> I was like, What bitch? I'm American. <laughs> So I started working there five years ago, and I met Miss Pat, and we've just become friends over time. And then she's like, how the, how the fuck do I start a podcast? Because yeah, everybody kept saying, you need to start a podcast. I was like, dude, I got to put on makeup. I got to take a bath. <laughs> <laughs> I had to take a bath before you got here. Yeah. I was like, oh, I got to do shit I don't want to do. And, and everybody just said, kept saying, you should do one. You should do one. What the fuck am I going to talk about? And... I don't know. I, I was in L.A. I, actually, this is what really made me put my foot down. I talked to you a couple of weeks before, a couple of days before. And yeah. I went out to L.A. and I bumped into Joe, to Joe Rogan. And he was like, Miss Pat, it's time for you to start a podcast. Yeah. So how the fuck do you say no to Joe Rogan? You can't. You can't fucking say Joe. Not only do he look like he'll choke me. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just fucking playing. <laughs> I choke his ass back. <laughs> He's a nice guy. But um, how do you say no? He's like, you should really... You know, start a podcast. Your, fa I think your fans will love it, and I think it will also help. You know, other things, your comedy career, other things. And he, we just talked. We talked for fucking three hours, and I said, Joe, I'm going home. I got this little cute white kid that want to come to my house and fuck with me and my black family, and we're gonna start a fucking podcast. And I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but we gonna, I'm going to start a podcast. Yeah, I've done podcasting for like 10 years, and obviously I do it as a day job. And and I've been, for months, I you know, you've kind of mentioned it a couple times. I'm like, you'd be a natural at this. And I've been surprised at the hesitation a little bit, because I think, I don't know why there would be hesitation, because you just are a natural storyteller. People, when I, when I see you come on the Bob and Tom show, I see our audience, there's... It's overwhelmingly like, oh, I love her. She's so great. Like, do you I, have them haters? I well, see them course. haters. Yeah, you have that. But you know, you. I tell them fuck off. You put your head out of a, pole, a hole. Somebody's gonna try and knock you down. But, um, so I'm excited to be a part of it. I did. I thought I was coming over to run recording, so I'm honored to be a co-host. I, I think that's awesome, and I, I enjoy talking to you. Uh, you you live now where I grew up. Yeah. And uh, which is a very white suburban town in Indiana. Very, very white. Very white. I think it's three. It used to be just me, the white black person. I think we got about three or four of us in the neighborhood. Well, now. we didn't even know this, but we had met 
years ago. I came to your house and, and, and ate at your your brother graduated with my son. Yeah. And I remember you being there, but I don't remember you like that. Yeah, I just remember going, my brother has black friends. This is so progressive. <laughs> and my son, when I told my son your last name, he was like, the fat white kid with the glasses? <laughs> I'm just chubby now. <laughs> he lost a lot of weight. <laughs> and uh, I was like, yeah. I was like, you're never going to believe this shit. His brother do a fucking podcast with me. He was like, for real? I remember his brother. But I've always enjoyed talking to you because you come from a place that I have never been exposed to in my life. I don't understand. You come from a place I've never been exposed to and, and I didn't understand. Yeah, and I think we come from two different worlds and I've just always enjoyed, like when you're in the green room and we're having conversations, uh, we, I don't know, we, we enjoy talking to each other. So I think it's going to be fun kind of getting to know each other a little bit better and then have conversations about our different worldviews because... I mean, I come from a white male, middle class suburban I, I tell you one perspective. thing that shocked me when I moved here, you guys. When I first moved to this all white neighborhood, I lived mm-hmm. in an apartment before I built this house. Um, my neighbors knocked on the door and gave me a cake. Yeah. And I'm from the hood. You don't you two one thing you don't do is you don't come to nobody's house yeah. and knock on their fucking door and give them food. Which was shocking to me. And I called my girlfriend who lived in a white neighborhood and I was like, bitch. <laughs> You ain't gonna believe this. She was like, well, I was like, this white lady just gave me a cake. Should I eat it? She's like, girl, eat that cake. They just don't want you to break in their house. <laughs> <laughs> and it was one of the best fucking cakes I had ever eaten. And she was like, she baked me the cake and said, I know it's it's hard moving from one state to another one. And I knocked back on that bitch. So I was like, I'm still depressed. Can you make me another chocolate cake? <laughs> I have I, any place we've ever moved in this town. We, a neighbor has brought us something like, I don't know. So. I think it'll be interesting to have conversations over time to learn from each other, having two completely different backgrounds, but then also having this common location, you know, this common reference point of where you live now and where I'm from. Which um, is weird. Which is very odd, yeah. And like, when I first moved here, they had corn everywhere. Everywhere, so I, yeah. So I'm from the South. I'm from yeah. Atlanta. Never seen corn like that in my life, other other than the movie Children of the Corn. So, Five minutes west of here, it's... It's agriculture. Well, I know that now. Yeah, I mean, that has to be a weird. So when I first moved here and I was going to the apartment to rent because we was going to build immediate because we was like, we ain't moving again. And so we ride by all of these cornfields. Well, I, I didn't know there was cornfields. So I tell the guy, the realtor, I was like, sir, I don't want to move here. He's like, why? I was like, these people don't cut their fucking grass. <laughs> He's like... He literally pulled over and he turned pink. And I had a straight face. I said, what the fuck are you laughing at? I don't live around people who don't cut their grass. Right, yeah. I said, my old neighbors cut their grass. These people need to cut their fucking grass. He said, ma'am, that's corn. I said, what the fuck y'all need with all that goddamn corn, man? That's amazing. How did, how did you end up in this town? Like, how, I don't think I've ever, ever asked you that. Like, how did you go from Atlanta the- Cause when my husband works at Allison, which is General Motors, so they gave him a list of area where, and I'm not lying to you, what good schools were and where not to fucking go. (laughs) So we, you know, we, I'd never been to Indiana a day in my life. Yeah. And so they they gave us lists of like really good school systems and what was close to the airport. And so when I called his realtor dude up, I was like, hey, we want to build a house where I'm getting an apartment, da, da, da. And he was like, uh, oh, this is a growing community. That I, I don't want to say my community because I don't want y'all out here fucking with me.
me. He's like, uh, this is great by the airport. And so ended up, no, no, I know what it was. I found an apartment that was close to the airport. Okay. And they gave a discount because my husband worked there. And I'm all for the discount because I was a coupon. You know, I'm all for fucking saving <laughs> right. a dollar. So when the realtor picked me up, he was telling me about this community. It's a building community. My subdivision wasn't even here then. Yeah. All oh, this place is growing and we getting the mall and da da da. And so nobody ever said it was all white. Yeah. I didn't realize it was all white to two days after I walked out my door. I was like, what the fuck is the black people and the Mexican and the people steal? No, it it is it, when I was in school and I graduated oh two and it was ninety eight percent white. And the 2% was Muslim because there's a big denomination here. And so I don't think I had a black classmate. And the thing about this town is like, it's, it's, it's all white, but it's a Quaker thing. Like it's, it was big in the underground railroad. So like we were always taught, like, don't treat black people differently. So for me, it's kind of confusing to grow up and live in a totally different world and be confronted with racial issues because we were always taught, don't treat anybody differently regardless but that's hard when you don't know any black people. Yeah. Like you, when, how do I how do I treat somebody that I ain't never seen? I've never tested this theory out. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I never tested this theory out. And so I, once I got here, it was it was, it was a culture shock. I yeah. fell into depression. Mm. Oh my god! I was like, do I walk away from my family, my marriage? I, I got it was just it was just too much of whiteness. I had never. You know, I, and I tell I, one of the things I, I one of the things. When I moved here, that really came up was my mama taught me as a kid. She said, Pat, this is what scared the shit out of me. Because after, after I did Bob and Tom and my fan base started to turn white, mm. which scared the shit out of me. And, my, and, and I told, and the reason why it scared the shit out of me, because I had never had any really dealing with white people other than the police or the caseworker. Right. So my mama taught me as a kid. She said, Pat, white people are better than you. Never look them in the eye and they're the fucking devil. Hmm. So my whole life I was scared of white people. Here I am in my late 20s when I moved here. Hmm. Well, man, I'm sorry. I was in my early 30s when I moved here. And I was scared shitless of white people. I was so scared the first time I went on Bob and Tom's show, I was bombing. They damn near put me out. Mm. And my friend, Dion, texted me and said, you bombing, bitch. I was like, I know. But, <laughs> but you know, you had heard all these things about Bob and Tom and shit. And like, I was like, I don't know what to fucking do. He was like, just tell me you got shot in titty. <laughs> I was like, right. tell these white people I got shot in titty. He was like, fuck yeah. And that's what saved me on Bob and Tom. Yeah. But I was so fucking scared from, because that little bell was ringing off in my head. They're better mm. than you. They're better than you. Never look at me now. They're a fucking devil. So I had that slave mentality. And, and white people probably don't even notice in black people when they look down. That comes from Never. slavery. Never. No, I, it's not even a consideration. But, but it comes from, it's come from our ancestors, I think. It just, you know, it, 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 to me, it showed weakness. And I would always look down because I was scared of white people. I was literally scared of them from what I was taught from my mama. So when I got here and my fan base turned white and I told my husband one night and I had turned it into a bit I used to do. And um, I said, I said, these fucking white people scaring the shit out of me. I don't know why they my fans, how they get this shit I'm talking about. He's like, what's wrong? Well, I said, they, I don't know why they like me. And then I told him, I said, my mama said they better than me. Never look them in the eye and they're the devil. He, my husband was like, Pat, your mama is fucking stupid. <laughs> right. And and that night I realized, he made me realize we all the same. And my bit was, I would point out a woman, I say, the only difference between me and you is my titties is bigger than yours. Right. But it took me to move here and get into this environment 
to realize that we was all the same. And I think there's got to be, I have friends who live in southern Georgia or who live in Georgia and they're in their early 20s and their world in terms of racial, like attitude, white attitudes towards race is so different than, like I genuinely don't even understand that they could live in that environment. So I'd imagine coming to like a northern state, especially a town that was very progressive on race. During, well, they said one of the things they told me was the Klansmen started around here. So. And they told me they was like, don't go to Martinsville. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. We'll have to talk about that some other time because that's Martinsville. There was definitely this was a Klan state in the 20s, but the Klan in Indiana was anti-Catholic more than it was anti-black because there weren't a lot of black people. Like my great-grandparents, when they came to Indianapolis in the 70s, a black guy got on the elevator and my grand, my great-grandmother goes, Miles, there's a black person. Because it was like the third, second or third time she'd ever seen a black person in her life. Because she was from southern Indiana. It just wasn't... It, like for somebody who was born in 1911 in Indiana, you just didn't... You weren't exposed to people of different cultures. You spoke German. So I think it's it's I'm I'm interested to talk about this more on like a future episode just because I am curious about how like how your views on white people have progressed since you've been it's, here. It's progressed a lot now. Yeah. Um, I've been here twelve years and I'm glad that I was exposed to white people because my whole life I thought you was the devil. Right. And then I realized by living here in Indiana in a white community, devils come in all forms. But as a kid, I was taught you was the devil. Yeah. Twi- I mean, before I moved here, dude, I wouldn't fuck with you like this. Yeah. You wouldn't be sitting in my motherfucking house dropping them white crumbs and roots. <laughs> and- <laughs> well, you know, and, and seeing your audience, like the Bob and Tom audience, why they react to you, to you it's because... Because we're all the same. Because some people want to understand your life experience, and you do, you explain that life experience in such a funny way. Like when I read your book, I went holy shit, people live like this. This is real. And I know a person who lived through this and was successful and like, I want to know more. And it's not about like, it's not about ranking. It's literally like, I want to know your worldview and you're a comedian. And so like, I think sometimes from the other side, it's, it's that attitude of, you know, the white devil, whereas you're confused by it and we're going, no, we want to know more. Like, please tell us more. And you're, well, really, I, I you're learned, really fucking funny. Two things I learned about white people. Not, I mean, evil come in all colors. Yeah. Every every white person is not a white devil. Right. And and you guys don't smell like dogs when you get wet. <laughs> Was, is that a, is that yes. a, a myth? Okay. <laughs> all right. I did not know that. <laughs> Just like you probably didn't know black people tan. No, I, I didn't know we that. Burn, we burn. We uh, burn. But I didn't know that until I was like 33. So, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's, it's, it's a learning. There's one thing you will get from this podcast. I think we all learn something together. Yeah. And, and we agree to disagree. You know, in the end, it's, it, I truly think it's all about respecting each other's opinion. You believe what you believe. You know what I'm saying? Some people, you can't change their mind on what they believe. I'm willing to learn. Yeah. I'm willing to listen. I'm, I, I, I mean, if it's, if, it's, if it's, whether I believe it or not, I'm willing to listen. Let me just say that. Yeah. I want to know what the fuck you're thinking. Every person is worthy of dignity and respect, and you have to start there when you're having conversations. 
and you should give more respect to people that you disagree with and then you will learn more i like that's how i approach the conversations like if somebody is on the other side of the political aisle i try to respect their opinion more and listen more just because i mean i might call you stupid but you have it's it's, It's fine (laughs) i'm over it you call me you call me sunday you stupid you put the wrong price on there (laughs) (laughs) but it's truly out of love you know but yeah but there's nothing wrong with disagreeing with each other in the end it's it's all about respect yeah and i think i i truly hope that's what we can show here on this podcast I'm, I can't wait to interview some interesting people that's totally opposite from me. Yeah. They, they literally be sitting across from me that I would like to slap the dog shit out of. Mm. But in the end, it's it's all about respect. That's your fucking opinion. Yeah. And that's what's great about this country. You get to have your fucking opinion. Right. We're not ruled by somebody who say we all got to eat and think the same. And let's keep it that way. <laughs> I sure hope so. I, yeah. I fucking hope so. We, we will see. We will see until next time, y'all. So this until next time, y'all. Make sure y'all tune into the next episode of the Pat Down. Thank y'all so much for listening, y'all. This I've been Miss Pat and Chris Spangle. Chris Spangles, y'all, like the Star Spangled Banner. Without the D. <laughs> Without the D. <laughs> <laughs>